The sermon text for this day is found in Romans chapter 15, verses 4 through 13. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks that you are the God of hope and that you fill our lives to overflowing by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us as we reflect in this season, on this day, in this moment, to be aware of your presence and to trust in your hope that you so freely provide to all people. Give us grace to hear a word from you in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. If your life were a cup, a mug, a coffee cup of some sort. If your life were a cup, what would it be full of? We fill our lives with many different things. Many of them are healthy things, family and friends, joy and hope and peace and love. There are other things that fill our cups from time to time. Your cup is not always full of the same thing in every season of your life. Sometimes your cup is full of stress or sadness or anxiety or fear or anger or jealousy. Your cup may be full of work or school or caring for parents or caring for children. A song says that this is the most wonderful time of the year, right? 
But I think for many people, this is the busiest time of the year. It's not necessarily always wonderful. There's just a lot to do. And our cups get very full with things that they don't normally get full with through the course of the rest of the year. Shopping for Christmas gifts, planning Christmas gatherings. Um, for Tara and me, this is the week of attending Christmas rehearsals and concerts. We're going to have to prop our eyes open with toothpicks, I think, by the end of it all, because just about every night we're doing some kind of singing. It's crazy. If your life were a cup, what would it be overflowing with in this season? The Christmas season is often a season of excess, having too much of one thing or another. We start the season perhaps by eating too much food on Thanksgiving, and then immediately go Black Friday shopping where we buy too many things. We go to all of the small businesses on Small Business Saturday and buy more stuff. And then we go to our computers on Cyber Monday and buy even more stuff. And then maybe we give more than we thought we might give on Giving Tuesday. There's so many cultural imperatives or temptations to acquire or to do things with our money. Um, and maybe it's a little too much. I don't know. Maybe you don't do all of that, but then there are all of the Christmas cookies and fruitcakes. Anybody really like fruitcake? I don't. Do you really? Okay. Well, if I ever get one, I know who to give it to. That's fine. But we have all of these treats and snacks and candies and chocolates and, and piles and piles of Christmas presents. We eat too much food once more, not just on Thanksgiving, but whenever we do Christmas meals, we watch too much football. We get too stressed out. We stretch ourselves too thin by running in too many directions. Christmas excess can be a real problem. So what is the cup of your life overflowing with? The passage from Matthew 3 that Dan read for us, uh, the, the story of John the Baptist going to the, uh, not going to, but having the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to him, uh, contains a phrase that's a little bit dramatic. John calls them a brood of vipers. He criticizes these Pharisees who are coming with impure motives to hear John's message. Uh, their cup was full of something that wasn't quite pleasing to God. The phrase that John used there, brood of vipers, reminds me of something that Jesus said to probably those same people, or at least the same group of people. Jesus called the Pharisees a brood of vipers a few chapters down the road in Matthew 12. He criticizes those who spoke negatively of his message. He thinks he's all that. He thinks he's the son of God. He's just blaspheming. You brood of vipers. Same language. And then he says, a, a nugget of wisdom that has really stuck with me this week, and I want to pass it on to you because I think it's, I think it's deeply meaningful. In this critique of the Pharisees, Jesus says this, the heart speaks, I said it wrong, it's even quoted right here, doesn't start with the heart. The mouth speaks. The heart doesn't speak. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. 
That's Matthew 12, 34. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I think that is deep wisdom. There's a level of understanding that's just kind of surface. Yeah, whatever's inside you, that's what you're going to speak. But if you dig with that, if you sit with that statement for a while, uh, it can really seep into your soul and make you think about what is inside this cup of yours. I've been using the metaphor of a cup. Jesus uses the metaphor of a heart uh, to describe the same idea, basically, that our inner selves, our deepest selves... Whatever we are full of, we will end up speaking. And that's what people will hear from us. As your pastor, I want to take that wisdom very seriously for myself. Because I recognize that I stand here and speak. And what should come out of my mouth must and will come from the overflow of my heart. That's just the way we are. We only speak what is truly in our hearts or what's in the cups of our lives. So I need to check my heart and make sure that my life is full of what is good and holy and true because the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Those who speak words to communicate the word of God to others should be careful that they are speaking them from the abundance of Jesus Christ within them. Christ in us, the hope of glory. I'm excited because I'm planning a a series of messages for the next season of Lent, uh, uh, recognized by the purple banner there on the wall, when it rotates around to be front and center. Lent is the season that precedes Easter, and this coming year it starts on February, uh, Ash Wednesday is February 26th, I believe, if I got my dates right, Um, and then into March and into early April, that season of Lent... um, I've been in conversation with several other pastors, uh, about eight to ten other pastors in the state and in the region, and, and we're all very much interested to, to practice a, a contemplative kind of prayer gathering uh, each week through that season of Lent. We'll, we'll not gather in person, but uh, by internet video conferencing. And we're all going to sit with the same passages of Scripture, the, the gospel readings for those several weeks. And just take those in to our hearts and to our souls and allow the messages that develop from those souls to kind of spring from our, our shared gathering time. I'm excited to see what that, will, what that will look like and how that will manifest itself in our various uh, preaching experiences throughout that season. We know that when our lives are full of Christ, full to overflowing then the excess, the abundance that spills over the edges will spill into the lives of those around us. And it's true not just for pastors, but for anyone who follows Jesus. The Christmas excess that we all should pursue has nothing to do with the trappings of the season. We each should pursue true Christmas excess in the presence of the Lord Jesus. The word of God who became flesh, whose spirit overflowed that flesh and spilled out into everyone around him. What does true Christmas excess look like? How can we experience the presence of Christ in, in our lives today? What does, what does this idea uh, look like in everyday life? 
It'll look a little different for everyone, I suppose. But the key word for today's service is hope. That's been the theme of the songs that we've sung and the scripture readings that we've shared, the theme of the Advent candle reading that, uh, that took place earlier today. Perhaps, as we experience and pursue the presence of Jesus, our lives as his followers can overflow with hope. Now, hope is a strange concept because we use the word hope in a lot of different ways. We use it in very shallow, meaningless ways, like, I hope the Lions win today, because they won't. It's meaningless, but it's also meaningless because it's football, and that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, I hope that so-and-so shows up on time. If you're waiting for somebody, we can use hope in a very light sense. We can use hope in a deeper sense, but in a way that might not be helpful for people. Uh, and when someone is going through a bad situation, a negative time in their lives, we can say to them, oh, you just have to hope that things will get better. And we mean something really meaningful there. But that might not always be received as a real word of hope by somebody who's in the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, just hope. Just have hope, as if it were that easy. Hope is something that is very deep and must be experienced personally. It cannot just be claimed as an act of the will. I'm going to have hope. Hope must go through these dark periods for it to grow and develop in the life of an individual. I had a conversation this week with Anne Galloway, who's here today, and she gave me permission to share a little bit of this conversation. She um, ministers at our county jail um, on Thursday evenings. She finds herself with some female inmates to do a Bible study with them. And uh, she loves talking about it, with me anyway, and I assume that she'd love talking about it with anybody else who'd be interested. So ask her about it sometime, and she might just tell you a story or two. But she was talking about hope with the female inmates who were there for this study. And one of the inmates said something like this. She asked them, what does hope mean to you? And one of the inmates said that in, it's in the darkest moment of your life when you begin to catch a glimmer of light. They get that sort of right? Yeah. When it's the darkest moment in your life, the turn happens and you begin to see a little bit of light. Sometimes that glimmer of light takes a long time to appear. Sometimes hope means waiting for a long period of time in that darkness, watching for the light to appear. Uh, this week I also met with some other pastors in the state, and one of them, uh, Pastor Aaron Taylor, the pastor of Alma Church of God, uh, said that she is going to lead a, a blue Christmas service um, this season. That's a new idea for me. I'd never heard of it before. And I don't know if we quite have time to pull it together for this year, maybe for next. But it has nothing to do with Elvis Presley, so don't worry about that. Um, although sort of it does. It's a service of, of grief. A service of, of allowing space for mourning. M-O-U-R-N-I-G. 
N-I-N-G, being sad. Um, for, for many people, for many of us, there are loved ones that we do not have with us any longer, and these holiday seasons can be very sad times. And so a blue Christmas service is one where uh, we remember those who have departed from us and are given the space to, to celebrate their lives and to mourn their losses and to, to just be in that moment. Um, it's a very beautiful idea. And, um, and what I think is really neat about her, how Aaron is recasting it, she's not calling it blue Christmas because of that Elvis connection. Um, they're calling their service longing for light which I think is a really beautiful idea too. Because it's in those darkest moments of our lives where we long for light. That's what hope is. The longing for light and seeing that light appear for the first time in that span of darkness. The power of hope is that hope moves us out of the present tense. When we're in a space of grief or sadness, or when our lives are overflowing with all the busyness of the day, we are stuck in the present tense. But the power of hope is that it moves us out of the present tense. Hope helps us to connect the dots between the past and the present and the future. Hope reminds us that God has been faithful in the past, and that God is leading us into the future, and therefore... That God is present with us in this very moment. The importance of hope is what Romans 15, our sermon text for the day, finally got back to it. The importance of hope is what Romans 15 is talking about. Hope belongs to God. God gives us hope. God has always been giving us hope. God has always been helping us to see the present in terms of the past and the future. Paul writes in this passage in Romans 15, everything that was written in the past, all of the scriptures, and for Paul that meant what we call the Old Testament, everything that was written in the past teaches us endurance and encouragement. They provide us with hope. They show us that God has been faithful in the past. God has seen people through difficult situations in the past, and he will do the same for us today. But hope also points us into the future. We who follow Jesus recognize that we are living between times. We are living between the first arrival of Jesus and the second arrival of Jesus. Between his birth in Bethlehem and his return at the end of the age. And there is our future tense hope. Because of the hope of the past and because of the hope for the future, we can have hope today Because this same Jesus, Paul writes, has accepted us as members of his family, as part of his kingdom. Did you catch this? Christ has accepted us. Often we talk about the importance of our responsibility to accept Jesus into our hearts. 
have you accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? We put a lot of emphasis on that, but we don't often talk about how true it is that Jesus has accepted us first. We love because God first loved us. We come to Christ because Christ has first come to us. The one who is the beginning and the end of all things has welcomed us into his circle. He fills the cups of our lives with love and joy and peace and even hope. It is in and through Jesus that God gives us hope. Hope reminds us that life is bigger than our current circumstances. Hope inspires us to do two things in what I see in what Paul writes here in Romans 15. Hope inspires us to accept each other and to bring praise to God. So first, hope inspires us to accept each other just as Christ has accepted us. How has Christ accepted us? Unconditionally, with grace and peace. So too we should Accept each other. We have to think about this in context of what Paul is writing, because the idea goes all the way back to the beginning of Romans 14. Paul is writing to Christians in Rome. The church in Rome was comprised of both Jews and Gentiles, non-Jews. They were in the same family, the same body of believers. And one of the major issues for them was whether or not Christians had to keep following the old law of Moses, the Jewish laws that are contained in the Old Testament, keeping kosher, uh, not eating meat that was sacrificed to idols, and so on. And what Paul says in the chapter before what we've read today, in in Romans 14, is that Christians should accept each other despite their differences on these disputable matters, without judging each other. We should make every effort, he says, to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. It's that level of acceptance that we are called to extend to each other. When differences threaten to divide us, we instead show Christ-like acceptance toward each other because of the overflow of hope within us. We don't just accept each other because it's supposed to be that way. It's because our lives are so full of hope, so full of the presence of Christ, that we cannot help but imitate Christ who has accepted us. And so we extend our hands in fellowship, even to those with whom we have some very... Strong differences. Now, those are easy words to say. And 2,000 years of Christian history shows that people are much better at dividing from each other than they are at uniting together in the name of Christ. But unity in Christ is not negotiable. If we are in Christ, then we are one with each other because Christ has accepted us. And therefore, we accept each other. And Paul says, we do this in order to bring praise to God. That's the second thing that hope does for us. It helps us to bring praise to God. And to help us understand this, Paul quotes a handful of passages from his scriptures, the Old Testament, to support his idea that hope inspires us to bring praise to God. He quotes from all parts of the Old Testament, 
on the slides that you saw, there were little footnotes to explain where those came from. Some came from the law, the book of Deuteronomy. Some came from the prophets, like Isaiah. Some came from the writings, like the book of Psalms. All of his scripture, in other words, is what Paul's referring to. And God is, uh, Paul is saying that God's intention has always been to have everyone sing praise to God, Jews and Gentiles together. All of those references refer to how God is bringing the Gentiles into his family so that all people might glorify God for his mercy. We can each praise God individually on our own, separate from a church family, and many Christians do that without connecting to a church community, but our praise of God is amplified and magnified and strengthened when we gather in unity to rejoice in God together. God gives hope for us in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. When our cups overflow with God's hope, then we are experiencing true Christmas excess. The hope that overflows from us into the lives of others, into the world around us, can and will transform the world. The trick is for us to make sure that our lives are overflowing with hope, not with any of the other things that compete for our attention at this time of year. So your homework this week, your action step, is to think about what fills the cup of your life. And to ask yourself how you might find yourself overindulging in one way or another this Christmas season. Where is there excess in your life? Is it food or sweets or Hallmark movies or shopping or busyness or obligations? Pick one of those things. Just one way where there might be some kind of excess in your life and make a deliberate and intentional choice to back away from that excess. Simply to do less of that. And in its place, instead of that excess, choose to allow God to fill your life to overflowing with hope by engaging with the scriptures or accepting others in Christ, or glorifying God for his mercy, or reveling in the joy and peace of Christ. Whatever excess there is in your life, step away from it and fill that space, or allow God's spirit to fill that space with something that is much more fruitful and much more lasting. See how that goes, and then share your experience with someone. And... uh, And see what it looks like to take the name of Jesus with you. The title of our closing hymn today is that. Take the name of Jesus with you. And uh, and it's not just a trite phrase or a title of a song. It's really that. Take the name of Jesus with you wherever you go. Instead of that excess, take the name of Jesus. And see what difference it might make in your life. Let's pray together. God, we give you thanks that you are a God of hope and that you fill the lives of your people to overflowing by the power of your spirit. Fill us to overflowing 
even in the darkest moments of our lives, even when there is sadness, even when there is anger or hatred or whatever there might be that is not hopeful, fill us so that we might overflow and spill over into the lives of others and join with them in praising you, for you alone are worthy of praise. We give you thanks for this word and for Jesus who is our living hope. We pray that his hope would be made real in our lives this week in ways that we can recognize and celebrate with each other. We give you thanks for all things in the name of Christ our Lord and ever-living Savior. And all of God's people said, Amen.